My name is Ryan Schreckengast, and I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. And this morning, I want to ask you uh, a very personal question. All right, so I'm sorry if this hits a little close to home, but it will be very personal. How do you feel when you pass a police car on the highway? Oh, <laughs> how do you feel? Do you get nervous? Do you, do you look down at the speedometer and check how fast you're going? Maybe you don't even have to look. Maybe you know that you are speeding. And maybe you feel some shame associated with that. When, when you confront an authority and you know that you are in the wrong, you know that you are not righteous in your adherence to the law, do you feel shame? Or maybe there are a few of you out here this morning who don't feel that kind of shame when you pass a police car on the highway, but you actually feel grateful. You feel safe. You feel confident that, yes, there is authority out here that are keeping me safe from that first group who I talked about. They're keeping them in check. That is a very simple example this morning, and it only scratches the surface of the topic that we're going to cover. But it illustrates the point that I think of that, that John is making in the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verse 28 through 3, verse 10. That when you are confronted with this kind of righteous authority, you, there are really only two ways that we can respond either in shame or in confidence. And this morning, friends, I want us to see that because of the love of Christ, it is possible for us to respond to a righteous God, not in shame, but with confidence, both now on this earth and forevermore. So our outline this morning is this. That there is confidence through abiding in Christ. In love, in righteousness, and in God's seed. So that's where we're going this morning. Let's start reading together 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. This portion of John's letter lays out the goal. What does John want for us to abide in Christ. And it illustrates for us our extreme and terrible need to do so by evoking, I think, the image of the Garden of Eden from Genesis 3. The imagery that John uses here immediately draws the readers back to that Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had been deceived by Satan in the form of a serpent. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil against God's commandments. 
And as in doing so, they recognized their nakedness and they hid from God in their shame. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself from Genesis 3. This is the image that I think John is drawing our attention to in verse 28. He reminds us of the results of sin. He reminds us that we are naked before God. And we will shrink from him in shame at his coming. Unless we are clothed in Christ. This is the problem that has been ours to bear since the beginning of mankind. That we are faced with our own shame before a holy God. And so what other possible response can there be but to hide ourselves? John says that by abiding in Christ, by hiding ourselves in him, we might have confidence at his coming. This word abide is not the same as the word believe. I think it's important to make that distinction here quickly because John has already covered the importance of belief in his first letter, which was called the Gospel of John. At the end of that book, in verse 20, he says that these things, all of the things that he had written in that book, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. But this morning, here in this second letter in 1 John, we are, we are not going to talk about the importance of belief. We're going to take that as already having been covered by John. But so his exhortation this morning in this letter to his audience is to abide, to stay, to endure. That is what we are covering this morning. And I think that the critical component here involves time. Abiding is not a singular event like belief, but it is ongoing. It is both now and later until the end. It's about living somewhere, making your abode, your home In that thing. It's about your identity. Now and forever. Being lost. Indistinguishable. From Christ. If that seems somewhat abstract. As as just a, a big broad idea. Don't worry. Because John is about to give us. Some very practical. And concrete examples for us he's already alluded to it here in chapter and verse 29 where he says those who practice righteousness have been born of god 
And we're going to continue that theme throughout this passage. So I encourage you not to lose sight of that as we continue to read. But in summary, as John has illustrated for us in these two verses, the problem of our sin and the goal that we abide in Christ, he is now going to demonstrate for us exactly what that abiding looks like in the context of our mortal time. Now while we are alive and into the future. So let's continue to read 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. And we will see that the confidence that we can have is through abiding in God's love. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him. As he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him. Purifies himself. As he is pure. Friends the first aspect of God. That John tells us to abide in. Through Christ. Is the father's love. It's the father's love. And this is not just Any kind of love. John says, what kind of love has the father given to us? This is the kind of love that would call us the children of Adam and Eve. Now children of God. Verse one says. And John has already gone to great lengths to detail in his gospel exactly what a love like that cost God. Friends, this is the kind of love that would die for you. That has died for you. To call us the children of God. God himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, came to suffer and to die that our shame and nakedness could be covered. Just as God did in the Garden of Eden. The blood of an innocent lamb was shed so that God could cover us. Friends, this is the kind of love that the Father has given to us. But he doesn't leave it there. He gives us proof of that love. The proof is that the world does not know us any longer. This system of sin and selfishness and nakedness and shame that came on the earth in the garden. Looks at those who the father calls his children. 
And it says, who the heck is that? Who are you? You you are not what I thought you would be. The system does not know God. And so as we abide, as we live, as we plant ourselves in him now and forever, we are his children. And so we cease to behave according to that broken system of the world. I want us to notice also the timing words in this section, in these verses. There is past, there is present, and there is future. Verse 1, the Father has given his love. And so, verse 2, we are now his children. And verse 3, we shall be like him. Friends, this is the definition of abiding. That Christ becomes the focus of your past and your present and your future. When you abide in Christ, you begin to look like him right now. This is not only some future promise. That one day you will look like him. That one day you might be his child. Friends, if you abide in Christ, you are a child now. In chapter 2 verse 29, John said, If you know that he is righteous, then you may be sure... That everyone who practices righteousness has been, past, born of him. But by the nature of the amazing love of the Father, he reveals to you his righteousness now. God reveals his righteousness to us. But through Christ, through that love, we do not shrink from that righteousness in shame. But rather, we are drawn to it. It leads to our own practice of righteousness. We begin to look like him. And we will look like him. But friends, abiding can only be done in the context of time. And because of that, God's work in all of his children is not finished yet. Verse 2 says that we do not even know yet what we will be. But we will be more and more and more and more and more and more and more like him as he appears. So we have already been altered by the love of the father that the world does not know. 
But our Father is so great that we have an eternity to continue seeing Him in His righteousness and His purity. And we will continue through Christ to become like Him. How does this apply this morning, friends? Christian, know that the journey that you are on is one of looking ever more and more and more like your father and like his son, Jesus. For those of you who have already believed that Jesus is the Christ, like the Gospel of John says, and that by that belief you have life, your call is now to abide in him. Forever. You don't have to wait for some future time to experience the love of God and to live according to his righteousness. Friends, you can have victory in your thought life this morning. You can overcome your fear today. You can find God's peace in the midst of your suffering this morning. All of these things are hallmarks of Christ. And as you become like him, even now, you are glorifying God and you are living according to his righteousness. But I find tremendous comfort that the same love of the Father that has made me a child of God is not finished working in me. Friends, He is not finished working in you because you are not finished yet. You will be you will be more like Jesus than you are this morning. I will be more like Jesus than I am right now. And praise God for that truth. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 6, I am sure of this. Certain that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. The goal, friends, is to abide until that day. To live in Jesus now and forever. So, practice righteousness as he is righteous and purify yourself as he is pure. But know that if these were things that you could do consistently on your own, then there would be no need to abide in him. Friends, we must have Christ to do this. And that is why belief is so important and had to come before this. 
So allow the Spirit of God to continue transforming you into the image of Christ. Because He wants to do this now and forever. But friends, do not be deceived. That is the next call that John has on us. Do not be deceived. If that process has not really even begun in your heart, if you are practicing not righteousness, but sin, then be wary. Because abiding takes time. And time will reveal whether or not you are becoming like Christ or more like the devil. Read with me 1 John 3 verses 4 through 8. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The second aspect of God that John tells us to abide in through Christ, friends, is righteousness. If we know that God is righteous, then we will become righteous like him. Do not be deceived, friends. Sin cannot coexist with righteousness. One of the two must annihilate the other one. And verse 8 makes it clear which one will destroy which. The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. How do you feel about that? Amen. <laughs> if you are a child of God, then it is you are being more transformed into the image of Christ. Then that should be a source of great joy, friends. That is that is joy, because if you are a child of God, then that is a promise that he will destroy the works of the devil in your heart. The things that make you unlike him will be annihilated. But if you are a child of the devil, 
then that is terrifying. Because when God is done, there will be nothing of you left. So how do we feel about God's promise to destroy the works of the devil? Let's look again at the the language of time that is used here. Because abiding is both now and later. And whether it's practicing righteousness as Christ is righteous or practicing sin as the devil has been doing from the very beginning. The question that determines your reaction to the coming of God is found in where you abide now and in the future. Because in Christ, we have the opportunity to respond differently to the coming of God. Friends, Adam and Eve were deceived in Genesis 3 by the devil. But John's exhortation to us here in verse 7 is that we not be deceived. Adam and Eve hid from God in the trees in their shame. But those who are called the children of God can instead be confident, hidden in Christ at his appearing. As we abide in him. Do you see, friends, that John warns here that there is a trajectory of rebellion against God which will make itself known just as there is a trajectory of ever-increasing righteousness. It happens in time. So how does this apply? Friends, ask yourself, where do I abide? Where do you go to for shelter? As Tom put it last week, what is the treasure of your heart? Is it Christ? Because if your treasure is really Christ, if you hide yourself in him, then your heart will be lost in his heart. And your fruit will grow from the abundance of his love. And how do you know if that's you? Because, friends, the world, that broken system, will not be able to recognize you because it doesn't recognize him. And this does not mean that right now there is no sin in your life. But it does mean that there will be no sin in your life. You will not make a practice of sinning. There is no abiding without time. And so, friends, when the Holy Spirit uncovers that sin in your life, how do you respond? 
Do you make excuses about why it's really not that bad? Or do you rejoice to put it to death? No matter how big or small that sin might be. Because sin cannot coexist with righteousness. And so which side do your actions show that you are rooting for? Are you hiding your sin this morning, friends? For fear that it might be taken from you. Or are you confessing your sin to your brothers and your sisters here in this place to get help with it? Friends, are you being honest even with the small things? Or are you finding reasons that it would probably be better that the truth is not known? Are you working this morning for, the, with, for reconciliation with the people who have legitimately wronged you? Or are you reinterpreting past events so that you can see yourself as clearly in the right? Are you inviting this morning the Holy Spirit and the other believers around you to reveal and to challenge you? Or are you justifying your own actions in your mind and your heart and cutting off biblical and godly correction? Do you see, friends, the act of abiding is one of treasuring Christ above yourself again and again and again and again. Until every work of the devil has been destroyed. Is the trajectory of your life one of increasing righteousness as God is righteous? Or is it one of increasing permission to do things according to your own rules? Where you reject one by one the statutes of God, then the character of God, and the likeness of God, bit by bit. Friends, following Christ is a call to a lifetime of dying to yourself and living in Him. How do you feel about that? Because if your desire is truly to abide in Christ, then this morning, friends, I have wonderful news. His desire is even greater to abide in you. Look with me at the last section as we read verses 9 and 10. And we will see that our confidence before a righteous God is in God's seed itself. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's 
seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Friends, here is God's promise to you that God's own seed will abide in you if you abide in him. Adam's seed that carried that curse of sin in our lives will not endure in the one who abides in Christ. Because he has been, according to verse 9, born again. No longer of Adam, but of God. No longer a slave to the curse of sin, but a slave to Christ. A child of God. Who has been redeemed by the one that the Apostle Paul calls the second Adam. Jesus. And the evidence of this assurance is in verse 10. That both the desire and the ability to practice righteousness as God is righteous. And to love as God loved. Comes from him abiding in you. You will reject the practice of sin and the world which is passing away. And you will bear the fruit that is born from the seed of God. And that fruit, friends, is life. Because it is not only we who abide in Christ, but him who abides in us. And so that identity, that confidence, that assurance that he will not leave you gives you the confidence to stand before a righteous God and to not shrink in shame. Because Jesus has hidden you in himself and he will abide in you until the end. Just as you abide in him, he abides in you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for abiding in us. God, we could not do it on our own. We could not cover our shame ourselves. Just, Lord, as Adam and Eve tried to use leaves in the garden unsuccessfully to cover themselves. God, nothing that we do without you will cover our shame. And so thank you, God, that you covered us. And now, Lord, we thank you that you abide in us, that you remain with us as we remain with you, God. 
and you continue to transform us into the, son of, into the likeness of your son, Jesus. God, may we grow to see you as you are and to be like you both now on this earth and evermore, Father God. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen.